Hello and welcome to the Denver Diatribe podcast, a podcast about culture news and stuff from the most interesting city between Lahore and Abbottabad. I am Jared Mayer. I'm going to be your host today. John Dicker is out. I am here with Joel Warner, as usual, Westward Rider, and we have a special guest today, Rue Johnson. She is a event producer, creative consultant, and Westward writer on all things hip-hop related. Hi, Rue. Hi. Thank you so much for being here. And I know, Joel, Diatribe listeners tune in to us each week to hear about two things, sports and hip-hop, because we know so no, much so about much. both of those <laughs> topics. But that is why, uh, at least on the, on the hip-hop end, we brought in Rue. And first off, Rue, you're going to be hosting a pretty cool event going on here later on this month. Lollapalooza. Tell us what exactly is that? Definitely. So Lollapalooza started out as a birthday party. Um, my favorite 26 artists in the city performing their songs. And essentially what we chose to do this year is have um, my favorite or your favorite artists in the city essentially covering my favorite songs. So instead of performing their tracks, they'll be performing my tracks or my favorite songs, essentially. And this is a this is kind of a takeoff of an event you did uh, a few months back that had to do with a um, local female hip hop artist covering Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah, we put together a bunch of girls and decided that it would be really cool to cover one of the most iconic and classic hip-hop groups, but do it all with ladies. And really kind of turning the idea that hip-hop is this male-dominated sport, so to speak, and that girls have always been on the fringes. So we really wanted to delve right into the middle of it. And by doing the Wu-Tang Clan, we really opened up a whole conversation about women and hip-hop and misogyny and all those different things that we decided to challenge by uh, doing the performance in January. And it was great. We sold it out. Everybody was really supportive of the ladies. Nice. So I, I definitely want to ask you some more questions about Lala Perusa. Um, but first, we actually have a topic that kind of started when we were thinking about your particular event and it has to do with the, the hip-hop scene in Denver and how difficult it is for local hip-hop and rap performers to have a home in terms of reliable venues, spaces that they can just know that you can go there and actually hear really good hip-hop. Joel, you ever thought about this particular topic before today? Yeah, I mean, I haven't thought as much about this as I should have because as we talk about here, we <laughs> seem to have an allergy <laughs> For hip-hop and sports. But, I mean, I've thought about it somewhat. And, I mean, for me, it's still kind of the naive assumption that so much of the hip-hop world is still devoted to the coasts. Mm -hmm. You know, it's still, I mean, and that's just me probably not knowing as much as I should. So, like, is my assumption in this day and age completely based on stupidity? Well, I think there is a geographic relevance to hip-hop. And there always has been, even before Biggie and Tupac. There has been this perpetual East Coast artist, West Coast artist. And even when you think of East Coast and West Coast, it's really New York and L.A., right? Yeah. But I think that on the bigger piece of that, it really is about that hip-hop and, and soul music and R&B and some of these other genres that marry each other and create other forms of music have always really been younger than some of these other genres, right? So when we think about hip-hop, a lot of the audience, they haven't been able to really develop their taste and to grow up with the music. So I think that, for example, is a big issue that a lot of folks in hip-hop have with Jay-Z because he's really grown up and he's like no longer talking about 
crack rocks and all of these other heinous things that he were partic- he was participating in. So in some ways, it's like hip hop has always had to be the perpetual 21 year old mm-hmm. and not grow up. And because of that, it happens to attract certain audiences that have underdeveloped tastes, quite frankly, and venues are not necessarily attracted to that style of. But I mean, would you say there's still a demand for people wanting to go out and listen to local hip hop here at local venues? Like you'd want to go out and see a local punk rock band or a local indie band or a jazz. I mean, there's jazz clubs in Denver. Where are the hip hop venues in this city? And that's, I think it goes kind of back to what Joel was saying about the, about the geography and the way people consider hip hop really being, being devoted to the coast. So even in Denver, there's not, there are a few hip hop clubs, but it's not going to be the type of hip hop that you, you know, the purest hip hop necessarily. So there's like dance clubs that are top 40, but like, like which ones specifically Sutra, you know, that you can go to Sutra on Friday night and hear hip hop. Yes, you Mm -hmm. can, but you cannot go to Sutra. It's a real kind of like watered down. Exactly. Mass produced. It's worse than the radio. You know, you can't go to Sutra and have a drink and and nod your head to rock him. So there, that doesn't exist, but there is a demand for it. As far as supply and demand goes, there's tons of folks who want to go out and hang out at a hip hop show at the, you know, at the Bluebird theater or at some of any other venue. So where are we? seeing this stuff anywhere here in Denver or have we in the past has it gone away I mean if you're a true hip-hop aficionado if you're really into this stuff you're just a hardcore just hip-hop head where do you go in this town that's a good question I mean it is really is about the specialties of the shows you know uh, Cisco Rockwell DJ Cisco Rockwell and S9 and a couple of those cats they do 90s parties at Tui's which mm. is really like where people go to be nostalgic and sentimental about music that they love but that's not every Saturday it's yeah. every other Saturday or it's a special event um, there's a couple of other places where you can maybe find some hip hop at Appaloosa on Tuesday nights but that's like live live instrumentation It's but also kind of marries hip-hop in that same way but that's every tuesday but that's probably the only and earlier you had mentioned to me uh castleman's Mm -hmm. off uh walnut used to be shakespeare's for a brief period (laughs) the uh, pool hall but you said that they've been stepping up a little bit to host local hip-hop shows but it's not necessarily the best venue for that yeah that's the problem hip-hop that also could be an issue with the venues is that sound and making sure that you're touching on that technique with the dj and the artists and the mcs all of those things are really important and a lot of venues just are not equipped to really handle that so castleman's is awesome they can fit tons of folks in there and they book tons of hip-hop shows like more than every hip-hop show that i've been to in the past two weeks has probably taken place at Castleman's. But there's always those little nuances, like all the openers, you know, they all rap over their lyrics and the sound is bad. And there are some of those things that continually are a problem and would be addressed if if hip-hop was allowed to kind of expand in some of these, like, more larger venues, because then they would be forced to step it up, so to speak. One thing that I've heard about some of this stuff is that there has actually been pressure against some of the larger clubs downtown in Lodo to not do hip hop. Mm-hmm. That, you know, I know that some, you know, I'm getting on the names, you you, you remember the names better than I can, but that actually the cops have come to some of these places and kind of quietly pressured them not not to play the type of music, not to bring in the type of crowds that, as they see, are going to create the violent, quote-unquote, element that they're worried about a let out at Lodo. I mean, have you have you heard about stuff like that? Yeah, 
I wish that I could say that violence and some of the stereotypes that go along with hip hop, I wish that I could say that that were not true and that it was not an influence as to why hip hop artists are not able to book these venues, but it is true. And to answer your question, hip hop artists have a hard time and even folks who are kind of of the scene, you know, in the culture have a hard time getting into some clubs like Sweet 200, like Five Degrees, like, you know, the new Chloe that's going to open, like Lotus, like a lot of those places because of the violence and because that has been an issue. And it is, it's, it's a part of hip hop culture. The descriptions of violence, uh, the, the talking about the experiences, a lot of these hip hop artists do really come from some of these very authentic violent experiences. So they talk about it in their raps and it does incite people sometimes. But I do, I do think that there are other aspects of hip hop that are able to grow and still describe those things without. And, but isn't that a problem for someone who is a local hip hop promoter because Partially that the stereotype of hip hop and rap and the type of crowds that's going to bring that might be based on overblown media perceptions and other things like that. But it's also based on some very real violent events, shootings, fights, um, Mm -hmm. other things that have occurred at these clubs. And there's been club owners, um, you know, going back, I remember five or six years ago when there was a slate of violent occurrences at hip hop shows where these club owners are just like, I love hosting these types of events. It brings in a lot of people. I make a lot of money. But every time I do it, it's too much of a liability. I have to, I have to hire extra security guards. Uh, the police are breathing down my neck. And then when these violent occurrences, fights, stabbings, things like that happen, then I'm the one on the hook that has to clean it up. And there have been lawsuits involved with this mm-hmm. stuff yeah, in the I past, mean, too. So yeah, it's a problem of lost money. So, but, I mean, as, a, as someone who's trying to kind of create that authentic hip-hop scene... How do you make that balance between creating that right mixture of a show that is going to kind of provide that space but do it in a way that prevents these really harsh acts from happening? I mean, on the straight up, there's no, there's definitely, last night, for example, Waka Flocka came to Denver and performed. Inside, everything was fine. There People were having a great time. This was at, this was at where? This was at Club Ariba. Okay. And all of us, myself and several other folks who attended the concert, I attended as a writer, but several other folks who attended as consumers were really convinced that there was going to be tons of violence. Why? Because every time Waka Flocka performs somewhere, there's violence. So it's not unreasonable that these things are perpetuated. But what is more unreasonable, I would think, is probably the idea that this is a new thing, right? So if you booked Guns N' Roses during the height of Guns N' Roses, if you booked them at your venue, it's likely maybe they would have, like, torn some shit up, right? Yeah. But I think at the same time, hip-hop, because it's such a new genre and because it's so authentically violent, like, these guys are not just getting wasted and tearing up the club. This is, like, people who come to see them sometimes and who experience these same things. And they they come with that mentality or with that attitude. So it is is plausible that club owners won't want to book hip-hop acts but as a promoter and as someone who is steeped in the life and the culture of hip-hop it's easier to understand the other side of it and to really kind of push the the eloquence and that scholastic academia that does exist around hip-hop even in its violence there is something intellectual about the descriptions of violence that that occur so focusing on that standpoint i think lessens the ability of folks to want to go and act all rowdy Right. So maybe a few a few more questions on this subject, and then we should probably move on and talk about talk about your event and actually listen to some of the songs of some of the performers that are going to be going on. Joel, do you have any other questions on this? I guess one thing I've been thinking about is, as I'm sure you've heard, there's there's definitely this, this discussion these days about where is hip hop going. In some ways, some people point to the fact that 
the hip hop as this kind of global industry that's already peaked. The money, the popularity is starting to go down some. And the stuff that we're seeing, at least in the mainstream, is this more kind of generic. It's, it's, less of the it's, boundary it's sort of too pushing. top heavy. And do you see that's the case? Or do you see that just as being just people just missing what's going on here in places like here in Denver and other smaller cities that haven't had the recognition? Or do you think that hip hop's really going through some sort of identity crisis these days? That's funny. There's this great most Def quote at the beginning of uh, Black on Both Sides, which is one of the my favorite hip hop albums of all time. And he says that people always talk about hip hop as though it's some beast living in the hills. And so when they ask you, where is hip hop going? Ask yourself, where am I going? What am I doing? How am I doing? What am I you know, doing to move the scene? So in the answer to that question, from my perspective, hip hop is getting older and going through these growing pains that do definitely look like an identity crisis. You know, it's like their legs are getting longer, folks are getting older, but they're not really quite ready to give up the Porsche yet. You know what I mean? So we're still in some, some of us are really looking for those glory days, but at the same time, things that used to fly in hip hop are not going to fly now. So the talks about misogyny have heated up and talks about cursing and content and all the use of the n-word and all of those things have really become a bigger part of the process whereas before when hip-hop was really rumbling under it, those conversations were, were about the violence and it was about like how are we getting the genre to move forward so now as we get older and i think as hip-hop is evolving it is sort of an identity crisis but i think folks are slowly figuring it out and the genres are blending each other e each other as well so you have an artist like drake who is not necessarily rap per se but things kind of blend you know into electro and all these different other kind of genres as well so diatribe listeners out there what do you think about the problems with the lack of local hip-hop venues in denver and rue one last question on this what would you recommend to local up-and-comers in the rap scene how do they go out and get booked how do they go out and start up their own events right here in the city step your game up Start some of the very basic things like don't rap over your lyrics and show the venue owners that you're prepared to show up with quality material. Have everything in order from photos to bios to just really that paper trail. It used to be that you could just show up and rap, but now it's more of that DIY, you know, do it yourself. You have to show up with your press kit together. You have to be professional and your own advocate. So learn the language of the trade and practice. Yeah. Be well, be good on stage. That's important. Well, speaking of that, you brought some songs for us to listen to. Yeah of some people that are going to be at Lala Perusa. Who who do we have first? Tell us who we're going to be hearing. I love this song. I love this artist. It's the Pirate Signal. Um, Jonas Abraham is super awesome. He's an amazing songwriter, and he will be performing at Lala Perusa, and he's great. So I brought a song that I think is really representative of his diverse ability to rock a crowd and be amazing on the mic. Okay. The Pirate Signal, I can't wait. Let's listen.
pirate signal, and we had actually listened to one of their songs when we had a music episode not too long ago with Eric Isle of the Denver Post. Why did you uh, pick him, and why did you want him to be involved in Lala Perusa? Jonas is so brilliant, and he's so bizarre in his ability to articulate his brilliance, and so you have to really, like watch him on stage to get it. And the first time I saw the Pirate Signal, they performed this song, I Can't Wait. And he said, this is a song about quitting your nine to five. And that day I had just quit my nine to five. So it really resonated with me and his ability to really portray like what he means through his body. So Jonas is freaking brilliant. And I obviously am a fan. Um, so he's going to actually be covering Prince. So this is like the only spoiler I'm giving out, but oh, it's nice. so appropriate. He's going to be um, <laughs> covering Prince as Darling Nikki. So it's gonna, I was Jesus. like, I want you writhing on the floor. I want you screaming. I want it all. Talk, talk so, about a mashup. Yes, it's going to be great. Is the Pirate Signal one of the most recognized hip-hop oh, acts? I mean, yeah, hands down. Yeah, it seems like when people talk about local hip-hop, they talk about the Pirate And that's because Jonas, in particular, and the Pirate Signal yeah, and yeah. other projects, Black Hearts, that he's involved in, but he's grown up, and he has taken his music with him and he's really created a space for people to understand what his evolution looks like so I Can't Wait is a perfect example yeah. of that it's a relatively old song that the Pirate Signal has done but it really stands the test of time to what he's doing with his art and he's definitely one of the most recognized and respected folks who from a production standpoint writing do you think Jonas has a shot at the big time? Oh, psh, I'm you waiting. Do. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, yeah. Heard you here first. Yes. All those guys, The weekend, all those cats who are doing all this like cool electro vocalized styling, all of it. Jonas can do it 10 times better. Nice. So we have another uh, song that you brought. Who are we going to listen to now? This guy, he is going to probably be newer to some of the to some of the folks, but um, he goes by L. Dot. His name is Lauren, and he does this kind of real down south raspy, lots of cocaine rap, um, but eloquent as well. And his name is uh, Lauren. He's going to be um, playing Young Jeezy, and so this song is called "Good Morning America." Awesome, so who is that? 
Uh, so again, his name is L. Dot is what he goes by, and um, Lauren Moore. And I like what he does because it challenges that like academic side of me. I want to just be like, there's all these things that are wrong with the things you said in that rap. But it reminds me of why hip hop is such a rebellious genre and why he's really speaking from how he's speaking from his experience. And he's like articulating it in a way that's much different than someone else, but it's still really eloquent in what he's talking about because that is his experience. So and his voice is like crazy i love it it's deep and it's raspy and he's very aggressive it's cool so i have a question is there a denver sound as far as hip-hop yeah. are there commonalities that people will sort of say well that sort of sounds denverish mm. it depends all the artists all the rappers will tell you no all the artists will tell you like <laughs> no there's no sound but there really is a way that artists from denver say their words and there's like an execution and the delivery it, that, that is a Denver sound, you know, so very hard R's and just certain like words that they use. You can tell that that's, there's, there is a Denver dialect, but you can also find these pockets in rap where it sounds like something from the South, where it sounds like something from California, where it sounds even like something from New York or Boston or, you know, some of those other places, but it's still Colorado. Does that make sense? So even if it's like, you know, we're in Denver, which is kind of like a flyover city, but it does have its own stamp. Or I guess just tell us a little bit more about Lollapalooza. It's going on uh, May 20th. That's a Friday at the Walnut Room. What can people expect if they show up? It's going to be a, a music showcase that might make you feel like you're in 1991, you know. So we're going to have artists covering a gamut of songs. And what's going to happen at the end of the night is uh, six ladies are going to come together for a headlining performance and they're going individu to do individual performances of several Nas songs, who's my favorite MC. So I thought it would be kind of cool to flip it and have ladies performing his music. So it's just going to be a, a wide range of songs from artists like Outkast and Janet Jackson and Kanye and tons of folks, but artists from Denver doing those songs so that it gives you kind of a different look for some of the artists that you've seen performing in the in the city. Any questions, Joel? No, I'm just like for the performance. <laughs> we're like... going to party, too. It's, it's Also, that's the thing is it's a party. Like, people show up and they're ready to get rowdy. So it's a good Excellent. time. Uh, let's move on then to our regular series of loves and or hates. Rue, you're our guest. Do you have a love-hate rant that you want to lay out for us? Jeez. There's a couple different things. I mean, from a music perspective, rhyme too. Yeah, you know that's the well. You know what's funny because I look like a poet, but I'm actually not a poet. I don't write poetry at all, and I think that might be my hate because like three people this week have said, you know, I wanted to see if you wanted to feature this poetry spot, and I'm a writer and I love poetry, but I am not a poetry writer. Like it's bad. You don't want to read any poetry I've ever written. So hopefully, folks will when they see me, they'll not. That's funny. Why do you think people make that assumption about you? I have a lot of, I don't know, like, I don't know, because I wear big earrings and loud jewelry, and I'm, you know. Well, see, I, I wear, wear big earrings and loud jewelry, and people don't think I'm a poet. I don't know. I think people see me, and they, they think because I'm in hip-hop, and most of the women who are in yeah. hip-hop are yeah. mostly poets, too. That's the thing. Like, all these girls who see a lot of Perusa, they're all poets first. So it's like, mm. they look, and they're like, oh, she's a woman involved in hip-hop. You must do poetry. That's a good hate. Joel, what's yours? I have a hate this week as well. It is hating on the fact that now the spring is here. We are starting to see the yellow parking tickets mm. on our cars for the whole street sweeping. But the real bad news is that it's now $50 street sweeping parking tickets. Wow. Uh, I think it used to be 25 bucks. Now if you forget to move your car mm. from in front of your house Oof. for the big old street sweeper, you're going to get a $50 ticket. And if you don't pay that within two weeks, 
goes up to 100 bucks. Wow. 100 bucks. I, I would like to echo that hate right there because that was one of the last gifts that John Hickenlooper gave the city oh. of Denver secretly on his way out the door. Really? was an across-the-board raise on fines uh, for parking enforcement. That bastard. Look at that. And we're just now that seeing That bastard, it. Hickenlooper. If you're listening this week, Hickenlooper, we have your number. <laughs> we know what you're doing. So I actually have a love, and it's for a new business that I just drove by that opened up on Federal Boulevard near Invesco Field. And it's a drive-up coffee place called Espresso and oh, Bikini. Oh, you love that? And I'm loving oh, on it. Be- oh, I'm loving on it because it's a reaffirmation for me of the pathetic reptilian <laughs> brains that every single male possesses. Why do you need to have women serving you coffee, espresso from some drive-through thing in their bikini? What do you get out of that? If you want to go see women in, you know, like, like flesh and skin that badly, go to a strip club, man. <laughs> this is another thing about me. I just don't get what, what so many men get out of that. You know, like pairing a, a sort of service, like getting coffee or getting your hair cut or, you know, lingerie football. Or, I mean, what's next? Like, you know, plumbers. Uh, you know, <laughs> car mechanics thing that you do. I want my CPA. Like, I want my tax accountant to do my that, taxes. That's sometimes what I think is like. 90. I want I, the librarian I, wearing a ninety. I think guys like deep down, it's like every single thing in their entire lives are better when they there can be like Breasts. skimpy, attractive females around them. So. Now you know what that place is called, right? You know what that place is called? What Twin Perks? Oh, <laughs> see, yeah. they're clever. Exactly. That's good. All right. Well, that's all the perkiness we have time for today. Check out the Lala Perusa. It's on May 20th, Friday at Walnut Room. Rue Johnson, thanks for being our guest this week. Yeah, thanks, Rue. And for Rue, me, and Joel, we're out. <laughs>